Hey folks, this is Josh, and I just wanted to say thanks for supporting Intelligame Radio. Intelligame's space here on Anchor is really important to me, and I love the interaction that we're able to have with each other through call-ins and responses and applause and favoriting, and being able to listen to your stations too. I feel like this is a really strong, growing, dynamic community. I appreciate that. If you're looking for more Intelligame content, know that we also exist in other spaces on the internet as well. Intelligame.us is the main homepage where you can find longer form criticism, pieces submitted by other writers, as well as information about upcoming events in the Intelligame space. You can also follow Intelligame on social media at twitter.com or facebook.com slash letsintelligame. Also, every Thursday, we do a live stream called Let's Intelliplay that goes from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time, and you can check that out at twitch.tv slash letsintelligame. I hope to see you in some of those spaces, but I also really appreciate having you right here on the podcast. So if you're listening on Anchor FM, be sure to hit that favorite button or go ahead and give us a call in and give your thoughts. And if you are listening with your favorite podcast app, still definitely appreciate you sticking around for the podcast and hope you enjoy what you're hearing. If you'd like to participate, download the Anchor app from either the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, and it's just as easy as touching a couple of buttons. So in the meantime, thank you again for all your support and looking forward to catching up with you soon. All right, Intelligamers, let's go ahead and do some time travel back to the wonderful world of June of 2017. And that wasn't that long ago, but I mean, the act of time travel in general is really exciting, right? I hope that you are excited to hear a little bit more of Intelligame's content from E3 2017. There's some great discussions we were able to have there, and I'm looking forward to being able to share them with you here. Also, as we said before, this will be an episode, so don't forget that you can look at a ton of past Intelligame Radio content by tapping that Episodes tab on the Intelligame Radio profile. Looking forward to catching you soon. Good morning, everybody. Josh Boykin here from Intelligame.us, back on Intelligame Radio. I am on location in the E3 press room. Today is June 14th, also known as Day 2 of E3. Now, just wanted to do kind of a quick Day 1 recap. I uh, was able to see a whole lot and was able to meet up with some people, have some, you know, some good touch bases, but overall wanted to give you some initial Day 1 impressions. First off... I don't think there's any way in the world you're not going to see some sort of announcement about record attendance. There are far more people here, and again, that is uh, at least in part thanks to them opening up admission to the public. And so there are tons of folks all over the show floor, tons of lines for any sort of uh, games or demos or giveaways that people are uh, excited about. But the energy is definitely palpable. A lot of people who are really excited and tons of first-time E3 attendees. I will also say that one of the great things about this year is that I've seen tons more people of color uh, than I have in prior years. I think that, again, is in no small part to them opening up to the public in large but also could be indicative of some shifts that are taking place in the industry, which I'm really excited about. 
As far as big changes on the show floor proper, um, again, just to kind of reference what we talked about yesterday, Microsoft has left the West Hall. Uh, they have moved to the South Hall. And Sony and Nintendo, I had misspoken yesterday, Sony and Nintendo are still hanging out in the West Hall alongside a number of other publishers and developers. Also interesting on the show floor, we have the return of Activision. Obviously, they're going to be showing off with alongside Bungie some new things about Destiny 2, as well as some trying to get some hype built up for Call of Duty World War II. EA, of course, is still not here. That's because they ran their own event, EA Play. Uh, which I was not able to attend, but here was pretty solid. Alright, so a quick preview for Anchor listeners. Wanted to let you know what kind of appointments I'm going to be checking out today. I'm going to be hanging out with Astro in just a couple minutes. They're a gaming audio uh, company that does a lot of really high-end headsets, and they have a couple new pieces of hardware they're showing off. SurviveOS, which is a software company that has done some VR games. Raw Data might be one you're familiar with. Also checking out 505 Games, who has four titles that I'll be looking at near the end of the day. Of particular interest to IntelliGame listeners will likely be the time that I spend with IndieCade today, which is a 30 game curated exhibit of a ton of different independent games, a number of which are themed around Resistance this year. Now there are going to be some games that are outside of that as well, but there are a bunch of titles there that will work outside of the bounds of what you would see from your typical AAA developers. Looking forward to bringing you some more information about that on the scene. Talk to you soon. Folks, I'm here on the E3 show floor at IndieCade, and I am looking at a game called Polititruth. Now, if that reminds you of PolitiFact, it probably should. Uh, this is a mobile app that actually uh, will help you determine just how actually politically informed you are. I am here with Christopher Jarvis, who is the developer of Polititruth. How's it going today? It's going great. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, not a problem. So, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of having a game that's specifically or tailored towards basically helping people figure out how much they know about politics. Right. So, I mean, as any parent will tell you, uh, if you want your kids to eat their vegetables, you try to make it a game. If you want them to be quiet on an airplane, you, you try to take advantage of their competitive nature uh, to get, to get uh, that response. So my idea was if we can gamify uh, the, uh, to some kind of way to combat the proliferation of fake news, then we can get more people uh, interested and aware of this important topic. Great. So you've described this as sort of a, a Tinder for political information. <laughs> Basically, yes. It's Tinder. I, I would say Tinder for fake news. It, it, it's, it's, it's really simple. Uh, you're presented with some kind of uh, comment made by a political figure, and you swipe right if you think that that comment is true, and you swipe left if you think that it is false. And you get immediate feedback. You can read about uh, the, the fact-checking process that, that PolitiFact has done. Uh, we're official partners on the on the project, and uh, you you keep going, and you, you hopefully uh, are able to expand your political awareness in the process. 
No, I do like the idea of people being able to go through and evaluate actual political statements while also playing a bit of a game. Um, I'm guessing there's a little bit of a competitive edge here too to motivate people to continue checking their facts. Absolutely. So you can see where you stack up relative to the rest of the population. Uh, you can, uh, w against your friends, you can, you can, uh, you can compete on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, you're always kind of uh, presented with the information there, uh, responding to kind of how you've done in the game. Sure. Now, tell me a little bit about, obviously, you're partnering with PolitiFact. Um, tell me a little bit about the real-world applications of this information. I, I have to imagine that it stretches beyond simply, hey, here's a game that you can play. Right. Well, one of my, one of my ambitions in making this game is to collect data from the responses, uh, which is, of course, as part of a nonprofit that we're making this under, publicly available and open source. And uh, by logging into Facebook, we can further analyze those, those statistics uh, by demographics. So we can say, for example, if a 62% uh, of Hispanic women in Wyoming over the age of 60 have this factual miscon uh, misconception about Benghazi or whatever kind of political uh, uh, example you, you might have. Now, of course, I, I feel like kind of the next follow-up question then is like, where does this data go? And I mean, as far as not only user privacy, but then like, who has access to this data once it's been collected? Uh, everyone. Everyone has access to it and everyone has access to uh, the statistical uh, 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 models and, and analysis that we're going to perform on it. Um, we've already had campaigns uh, reach out to us in the hopes of getting their hands on some of the early data. I expect it will be used often in, in political campaigns and hopefully uh, by journalists and hopefully it will in, in, uh, empower them as well. And uh, also academic institutions I would imagine would be interested. Sure. So for folks who are looking to get involved in Polititruth, how would they, uh, how do they find it? Uh, there were live as of yesterday on the App Store, on the, on the iOS App Store and the Android Google Play Store. Uh, just search Polititruth, one word. Uh, and uh, enjoy. <laughs> okay. All right, well, thanks a lot for your time, Christopher. Appreciate it. Um, and I hope that folks will take the opportunity to evaluate some of their own uh, potential political biases using the app. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey folks, I'm here in the Indicate section on the E3 show floor and I'm looking at everything is going to be okay, which is a digital zine. Uh, if you're familiar with zines, they're like kind of short. Um, maybe I'm not the best one to describe particularly what this goes into. I do have uh, Everything is Going to Be Okay's creator, Natalie Lawhead, with me. Uh, Natalie, how are you today? I'm good. Good. Um, tell me a little bit about I guess zines in general, and then we can talk about your zine in particular. Zines are kind of like uh, personal, I want to say comics, it might not be personal publications, kind of comics, very graphic, personal graphic novels that people put together and they often feature poetry, uh, drawings, they're, what captured me about them is that they're very, very personal, life experiences, political. Um, they're not superficial, so it's kind of what I'm doing with this game. It is a, it's a satire on power dynamics in our culture and suffering in terms of my argument is that 
A powerful person isn't the one that's isn't the one that's holding the gun or the abuser or the bully. A powerful person is the one surviving it, and uh, true power is the strength you have in yourself to make it through something hard. So it um, there's a lot of black dark humor in it. The point is that humor is a good way of making it digestible because if it were just upfront and talking about it, I feel like it would, uh, you know, chase a lot of people away. And um, yeah, this game is super personal to me. All of it is based on life experiences and things I've been through. And I, I did it because I feel like this stuff needs to be talked about. It's when you have go through an abusive situation or you're marginalized, you you live with this stigma. You cannot talk about it, and it is it's kind of like a pain you carry with yourself everywhere. So putting it in a game and talking about it is something that I'm doing because other people that know this, they can relate to it, and I feel like it can uplift them a little bit. And um, encourage them. So there's lots of layers to this game. Like if you click around, you dig, you dig, you find icons that go to poetry, and the poetry is more on point. So it, yeah, it's it's very experimental. It's more art than it is a game. Sure, and that, I think there are a lot of I guess what some type some people call alt games that are very experimental, very personal, that have direct messages. Um, everything is going to be okay. It looks a bit like a um, like a home screen, like a Mac home screen with a bunch of uh, sort of eight bit pixelated uh, icons, each of them attaching to what would be a different page in the zine. Uh, but those pages actually turn out to be what can be actually very jarring animations that borrow heavily from glitch aesthetic um, and are meant to convey messages. The couple pages that I went through seem to specifically talk about facets of internet culture um, and this idea that uh, there are these power dynamics in you know looking for followers, being vulnerable on the internet, um, trying to figure out I, I guess where space is on the internet, how to be authentically like yourself but then also, I guess, respond in this world that has certain expectations of you. Yeah, um, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot, it's, when, I, I find the internet funny because you can't really be vulnerable. You can't really share hard times. You can't, you can't talk about this stuff. You have to pretend that you're awesome and winning and it's cool to bully people even you know that that's going to give you attention is being terrible at people and it, it's it's such a strange thing because it started out as connecting people making friends yay and somehow it's turned into a kind of like a human interaction human nature in a nutshell bullies are powerful bullies are popular marginalized people that have a hard time are the ones being picked on and basically get driven off. This is real life, you know, in a nutshell. And, I mean, it's like this one that you saw where the rabbit suddenly got cut in half after life was going great and it lands on the ground and there's this other rabbit now telling it, be careful, don't share too much of this because um, you're going to lose followers. And it's like... So, we were just talking about the rabbit being cut in half, so... The other rabbit is giving him advice, be careful, don't ask for too much help, it'll make you unpopular, you lose followers. So the more you bear your soul in the situation, the more people you lose. And But 
it's it's completely pointless the pop popularity part of it but all the rabbit is doing is please somebody help me a little nudge would help like literally just a small push it's kind of like I feel like I'm not the only one that's been there just a tiny bit of help would have meant the big everything like there was a point in my career where I just had it with sexism I just there was no way I could get anywhere it was debilitating creepy like just in your face stalkerish co-workers boss would not do anything it's just you know it's a typical stories but I started pouring out my heart on my blog like just a little help just a little encouragement would have meant everything instead I, everyone unfollowed so it's kind this is you know real life we like winners we do not like losers loser means you're doing something wrong meaning it's it's immediately stigmatizing so when you share failure with people it's like people are afraid that that failure is going to pass on to them so we're all terrified of failure i mean it's kind of like it's hard homelessness in america for example we say human life means something where it actually doesn't because every day we walk past homeless people these are people where just a little help would make a big difference but our society is structured in a way where we can never reach out to them you know i've been at places where we were basically homeless you know and that's kind of like you stop existing so it's like we have these phobias of failure that alienate each other and we're not capable of helping so it's kind of like what this is all about it's a lot of venting about this but also looking on the bright side of transcending this I mean I think there's a lot uh, and every time that I go to a convention uh, it's something that we have this disconnect where um, you know either whether it's GDC or E3 you have an entire space that's rented out millions of dollars that are devoted to this specifically digital medium uh, and then you have like these after parties and you have lines that go past tents of people who like live on the street and then there's free food and beer inside so I, I appreciate that there are that you're drawing attention to these ideas of and particularly using games and zines as a matter of pointing out these places where we can be doing better where we can be living up to what we say that we're we're interested in yeah I mean it's funny people talk about entertainment cyberpunk dystopian entertainment but this is what we're living in you know the, the, it is now we live in a world where defend uh, abor uh, you know no abortion ban abortion take away that right from women but we will not defend the children that need help after they're born we will not defend the homeless that need just a little nudge to help get them back on the feet failure is like um, if you're poor it's your fault if you're raped it's your fault it's there's no way you can ever get help and I feel like there's this big kind of like people are waking up from that because everyone that's experienced this is just fed up so it's really important that we start breaking down these walls because they've been up far too long and they've hurt way too many people and at least in games you can put a person in that situation and present them with that difficulty you know I mean maybe the game doesn't do that enough because like some people don't understand it people that have experienced it understand it so but at least it's a start you know plants that seed so real quick before we run out of time where do people find you and where do they find everything is going to be okay 
Um, right now the game is not released, but you can follow me on Twitter at Alien Melon. And if you message me, I can send you a download link. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been really fantastic, and congrats on being an indie kid. Thank you. So hey, I am at The Mix, a special off-site uh, showcase here at E3 where a lot of indie developers are here showing their products. Ran into a familiar face that I'd seen at IndieCade. Uh, thank you for being here, Kelsey. Uh, thank you for having me, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about the project you've got here, Tornado Tower. Alright, so synopsis of Tornado Tower is it is a VR third-person platformer game where you play as two characters at once, the adventurer Zeru and the Wind Spirit. We use the Oculus Rift and Oculus Touch to allow the player to interact and have a new experience with a 360 rolled uh, while you're trying to... Ugh, I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty much we made... We took the classic platformer genre and just put a new twist on it with the, with the Oculus Rift in a 360 rolled in our game. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, the cool thing about the game is that, like, as you're going through and doing 2D platforming, so you're running and jumping from space to space and using the wind spirit to create these special wind tunnels that elevate you to new heights, you can see the entirety of the tower in, a th in 360 because you're in VR. So, if you're trying to figure out where your next objective is, you don't have to actually run around the map or press the button to open the map. You can physically look up or look behind you and see the other things you have to get. Yes, and that's like the great way. So when I talk about 360 World, that's kind of what you're talking about. You're able to look around 360 in your headset and strategize how you would want to get to the next spot. And the towers are either these these tall dirt platforms together or they're stacking of houses. And um, if you get to level two, you actually will see the stacking of houses and you can actually walk in these rooms and find stuff in them, sure. which is kind of cool. Uh, but... Uh, so even though it's not Medieval Tower, and Anton, my creative director, is very strict about that. He's like, no, Medieval. <laughs> and we're like, you got it. So what, what are these towers going to look like? So it's pretty much the lands and these uh, little houses are your towers. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like it's a city in the sky, pretty much. Sure. And that's, that's what it looks like. If you look far back, you see these big rings and just going up in the air. Sure. So tell me a little bit, uh, you said that you were able to tackle an issue in virtual reality over the course of this project that many other developers haven't tackled yet. So one of the biggest issues we've tackled was the camera. Now if anyone says development in VR, we all know our biggest issue is motion sickness and dizziness. Especially for third person games, people will get more sick, <laughs> unfortunately. So with us, you're like, okay. Um, to make sure a player isn't sick, you have to make sure they have control of the camera. But how would you do that in third person? For us, we gave the character, um, not the character, but the player only 99% control of the camera and 1% not no control at all. So the player is able to look around the world while they're running and stuff. But when they try and transfer up too high on a tier, and when they land on solid ground too high or too low, you'll see the camera voluntarily move up on its own self slowly at a gradual point where the players will not feel the sickness at all or not even notice it. And so it took five to six weeks to do this. Uh, we made sure when you're going, running left or right, uh, the character is always in the front on the right. It's always the vocal point for the character. We needed the vocal point for the players. And your camera is trailing behind in the left. And this was intentional too to help out with, with it. 
And so we found, working on this five to six weeks, that player have either reduced to zero sickness and dizziness in our game, which is huge for a third-person game. Brian Algier, uh, he was a creative director for, I believe it's called Edge of Nowhere, another VR third-person game in Oculus, and the creative director for Ratchet and Clank games. He said we cheated because <laughs> he didn't, um, he said he cheated, we cheated because he didn't feel motion sickness from our game after he had to work a lot on his. And I, it's a pretty cool looking game too when I saw it. Sure. But he had a different approach to camera and his was not a side-scroller. Sure. And ours is technically a side-scroller camera and that might make a difference with our third-person game than others. Cool. Well, I mean, I did some time with it and I had a lot of fun. It was nice trying to solve the puzzles and whatnot. Um, if there are folks out there who wanted to try the game, where slash how would they do that? All right, so to find the game, uh, we have media on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and our website. On Facebook and Twitter, go ahead and type in at the Tornado Tower, all capital T's. Uh, with YouTube, it's just Tornado Tower, two separate words, capital T's. Twitch is Tornado Tower, the game, all lowercase. And I do do Twitch streams on game development. I'll host a guest speaker to come play latest update. That's every uh, sorry, that's every Friday at 7 p.m. Not this Friday or next Friday. I kind of need a break for a moment <laughs> um, and make sure we get everything ready. Sure. And then with our website, it is www.tornado-tower.com. Great. So I hope that right. helps. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me, Josh. And as we like to tell our Tornado fanatos, I hope everyone listening has a spintastic night. And we do spintastic because it's all circular in our world. Well, that does it for our IntelliTrip down memory lane. I hope you enjoyed hearing those discussions about Tornado Tower and Polititruth, and particularly the discussions that we were able to have with Natalie Lawhead at Alien Melon on Twitter. So have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.